What is happening, everyone? Welcome to episode 187 of your favorite podcast, The Gordon Podcast. I'm Rose Justin Halo alongside my co-host today, Megan Long, and we are going to share an important training note we have with you today. As always, Gordon Podcast brought to you by Revise Summit, brought to you by Raw Summit. Use code Mahaley at checkout to support your boy. Please leave us a five-star rating and review. I'll see you inside. And we're back. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about an important training note here today. Um, we talk a lot about we being Megan and myself. We we talk to our athletes a lot. And we talk on social media a lot about um, you know biasing movements and things of the like, right? Um, so like uh, every, every movement being intentional. There's a purpose. There's a reason behind why we are doing what we are doing. Why we are programming what we are programming. But the reality is whatever's put on paper doesn't really matter that much because what matters in actuality is the intent that it is being executed with. It's just like um, it's just like any protocol you have. Uh, just because a coach gives you a protocol doesn't mean that it just works. Like you have to actually like do what is asked of you and go above and beyond to ensure that um, you know you're, you're being intentional with the way that you're handling. Um, your entire coaching situation, your entire fitness situation, improving your fitness, whatever. We want intent within all of our movements in the gym. With intent, a substrate of that is you're going to have bias in a majority of your movements. So if we're doing, um, you know, a, a, a dumbbell lat focused row, that means that we are going to have our torso slightly more parallel with the ground than you normally would during a, a dumbbell row. We're going to have the dumbbells probably start um, uh, in line with our shins because in a proper setup with hip extension and um, torso uh, parallel with the ground, your lat is essentially going to end up being in line with your shins. So if your dumbbells start in line with your shins and it's going to be in line with your lats and then we drive the elbows through the midline of the body and there we have a perfectly intentful and somewhat biased dumbbell lat focus row right pretty easy okay we can apply bias to all movements but not all movements are create are, are are made and not all bias is meant to be isolated now there's a massive denominator here i believe because people hear us talk about this all the time right like you i mean how sometimes you just watch a client training video and it's like the feedback is honestly you just need to be more intent intentful i just want to see more intense yeah like like you were just moving this weight you weren't doing anything with it you were it was just moving through space nothing was really happening so oftentimes we get a training video of like Barbell row, maybe a um, squat machine, plate loaded squat machine, something like. And people are talking about how they feel it. Yeah, like, you know, I felt it here, but I also felt it here and here. And on compound movements, this is okay. And on a majority of even single joint movements, this is still okay. The reality is even when you're in a bicep curl, there has to be some sort of anterior delt pull. It's a protective measure that your body undergoes. And no matter how good you are at connecting with that bicep, you have to have some sort of interior delt 
likely some sort of peck miner. Like, all these things tie in together, right? And there's going to be some sort of antagonist, um, you know, usage as well in almost every movement that's done properly. So, understand it's okay for you to feel many different things. It's okay for not... I mean, I honestly... I can't really think of anything in the gym that's truly isolated. Like, even like a cuffed lateral raise, you're still going to have some trap... Um, bias because the, the the trap has to stabilize in order for that. It doesn't mean you necessarily it. feel your traps. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I don't think anything can actually be truly isolated. Like truly isolated muscle is just not reality. It's not. What about happen. like machine bicep curls? So going to have some. You have to have some sort just because of how they attach. Pec minor, pec major, um, anterior delt bicep. Everything there's overlapping a bit, um, and so whenever you have overlap, which is every muscle in the body, you, know, you have to have something. Um, you know, I'm thinking like adductors. Uh, maybe when we train, maybe when we train some abductors, <laughs> we'll have some because I don't know what else can work in, in you know the abduction. Now I'm just thinking of all the client videos I've watched. I know. <laughs> I definitely uh-huh. see a lot of shoulder and some bicep Yeah, curls. there's a lot of shoulder that goes in bicep curls. Honestly, like poor shoulders. shoulders just get fucked in every movement, yeah, honestly. like shoulders, if your shoulders are elevating during a lift, you're probably not doing the lift properly. Like, that's one rule that goes for a majority of lifts. Like, even upright rows, we don't necessarily want your shoulders just elevating. Like, we, we kind of want them to be you know, steady. And, like, I posted in that Instagram video the other day on the biasing chest. Um, we want we want the scapula to have mobility. We want the scapula to stay mobile while you are training. Um, in a majority of lists, this is really good. So, understand, when we go in and we do barbell rows, we do some plate-loaded squats or with some leg press or something, there is going to be a place that we want to bias the load, Right? But a bias only means 51%. If it's 50%, then it's going to be a split load. If it's 49%, then it's going to you know be an unbiased. Bias just means 51%. Where are these so percentages that means a coming majority, from? Well, that's you know more than like half. That means it's bias. That's the main I was just curious. <laughs> yeah, it's just the main move. What's the main move for the load? It has to be. It has to be moving. Or responsible for more than half of, of you know the action happening, right? And that's how we consider or find the bias. We're gonna have secondary tertiary muscles, we're gonna have supporting muscles, we're gonna have all of that working. So I don't want you to get caught up staring at a tree and missing the forest because I keep feeling my posterior focus leg press in my quads. Yes, your quads have to do something there. They absolutely have to. Now, the purpose behind heavy compound movements is to tax as many muscles as possible with the maximal load possible without compromising safety of the lift. That last note's really important. Because, mm-hmm. man, there are people that like you'll see on social media or even client training videos we get that it's like, oh, fuck. Like, you get someone who, like, in the application, they're like, you know, they fill out advanced. And, you know, I have it, like, broke down in my thing, like, they fly out advance. I'm like, all right, you know, like, fuck yeah, they can handle it. And then I get a train video, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is... We, Intermediate. Like, <laughs> we are, we are just, no, we're not ready for this. Like, we have a lot of work to do. And we need to basically break it down and build it back up. Because mm-hmm. 
if the safety of the lift is compromised, then it's not worth the simulation that you're even getting out of the lift. The reality is, like, why is form important? Form isn't important for hypertrophy. It has nothing to do with hypertrophy. Form's not important for all that important for strength. Just moving load from point A to point B. Um, if we're out, like, we're not talking about powerlifting. We're just talking about what what is form for? Safety. Form is literally for safety. So if you have proper form, you're going to be able to push hypertrophy. You're going to be able to push strength further than without proper form because if your form is not good, you are going to get injured. My first thought is a, a deadlift. Yeah. Immediately, I think yeah. of a deadlift. Man, yeah, when I was like coming up and I had more um, like like less advanced clients than I have now, Holy fuck, I'd get a Della video and I just I couldn't even believe what the fuck I was seeing. You have to send a whole ass video back just because there's so yeah. many critiques that you're like It's such a complex movement. It is. There's so yeah. many moving parts. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any movement that's more complex than a deadlift in the gym. Uh, really any hip extension. Just because like in a hip extension, so there's two things I want in like like an RDL, like a hip extension RDL. Um, which obviously an RDL's gonna be a hip extension. <laughs> no, the different RDL. Yeah, the other RDL. <laughs> the like, non hip extension. No, not that left. The other left like what the <laughs> fuck um but i i want to see shoulders somewhat protracted right uh, as this allows our spine to be the most mobile it possibly can be it allows our lower back to be as as mobile as it can be if our shoulders are retracted pulled back and down and our chest is super proud the entire time which is how i used to teach it mm-hmm. we're going to be locked up We'll be locked up in the movement. You're not going to get the full hip extension because your low back's going to be tight. Your spine's not going to have the mobility, and so you're going to put yourself in a compromised position. And you're going to and likely your your head is super high too. Yeah, if yeah. your chest is that way, exactly, and then you're not even neutral. And, and I kind of want chin like a little bit. I don't want it down, but I don't. I I want it below neutral. Yeah, like I don't want it know. tucked, looking at your toes. but yeah. you don't need to be watching yourself like in somewhat the mirror. Tucked. Yeah, like ten percent tucked. <laughs> like like that's just a good like place to be. have your head normal. I guess. So. Yeah, yeah, just slightly below normal, slightly below normal. So <laughs> loosely straight. I would, I, I, I want to see some protraction in a majority of hip extensions. You look at rows, you look at barbell and dumbbell rows. Well, where does the lat get the biggest stretch? The lat gets the biggest stretch if we're protracting the scapula down towards the floor at the eccentric of the movement. And then if that's where we start to pull from, as long as everything is aligned, we're going to get the biggest contraction in that lat simultaneously if we have a bigger loaded stretch and we have a bigger contraction we literally have more stimulus by definition there's more stimulus that's occurring therefore we can grow a bigger lat like man like in the last podcast talked about overcomplicating this shit this shit's not complicated it is that easy in what position can we put the body to get the best loaded stretch and do not ever 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 forget how important a loaded stretch is where do we get a loaded stretch? How can I be in control of the eccentric? And where do I get the greatest contraction at the peak of the concentric? Like, that's training. That is all you have to do with training. And the movements, there aren't correct or incorrect movements for these things. Those don't exist. What are you able to best connect with neuro- neurologically, first and foremost? What are, you, what, what are you able to do with your current mobility, which we should all be working on. Like I go to the chiropractor and um, I'll get massage work done for that. I don't really do much else. Luckily I'm decently, I'm pretty fucking flexible for my size. Um, I'm glad you threw in for your size. Yeah. For my size. Like I can stand up and put my palms on the ground. Right no, now. you could not. Absolutely. I could. 
Well, now now you could because there's a challenge, but you could for maybe a mere second. Well, all right, we will post it on Instagram when we're done. I don't think you could put your palms on the ground for five seconds. Your hamstring would all right. split. All right. <laughs> all right, the people will see. The your people calves, will see. We'll, I would be impressed. We'll okay. record it after this, and then after Do the a podcast pull. drops tomorrow. Yeah, after the podcast drops tomorrow. We'll, uh, which it drops at 4 a.m. So basically when we wake up, <laughs> I'll post it. And so people, only people, but only people, I'm going to post it with nothing. Only people listening to the podcast are going to understand what it was. And now everyone's going to scramble to my Instagram story to see. <laughs> and they're going to see me holding it for five fucking seconds. <laughs> so anyways, the actual exercise itself isn't what matters. As a coach, when you're programming for someone, you are using your best guess but how I talk with all of my athletes, yo, you feel something better, you feel something different, and it has the same intent of this movement, fucking swap it and yep. overload on that one. Yep. You don't, again, people get so caught up on what's on paper. Mm-hmm. Be an athlete. That's my best advice to a bodybuilder, be an athlete. What does a, what does a, what, what, what does a quarterback do during a football game, right? You go into the game with his game plan. All of a sudden, the defense... You thought they were going to be running a 4-3 and they're running a fucking 3-3-5. That whole game plan is thrown out. Mm-hmm. At least 80% of it. It's mm-hmm. thrown out and you got to fucking improvise. You got you and your offense coordinator, your coach, you got to figure it out, right? So the quarterback's the one executing. So he has to be in tune with what he has seen. He has to trust his eyes and he has to put people in position to make plays. All right, so that's what an athlete does. What's a pitcher do? Same thing. Yeah. Pitcher does the same thing. You go out and you have notes on every single hitter in the in the entire lineup, but now all of a sudden the last three games, this dude's been hitting curveballs at a clip. He's never been hitting curveballs before, so I'm probably not going to throw him curveballs because mm-hmm. what's on paper doesn't matter in reality right now in this moment. Yeah bodybuilders need to be that same way. And really. if it's not broke, don't fix yeah, it. Yeah, if it's not broke, don't fix it. That's another like the game, point. <laughs> like the same game point. with Ohio State. They were running the same play on them every time, and they, dude, it was working dude, every time. So ass. why would they change it? In the Oregon-Ohio State game, Oregon scored four touchdowns in the exact same play. The exact same play. There was not a variance in that play. <laughs> but why would they do a different play? Why would they run a different play? It's like, wow, play? my glutes are growing so much. I'm going to try something I'm going to change my, yeah, I'm going to change my turn. Why do people do that? Yeah. So, or when, when athletes ask, when is my program changing? I'm like, wait, did, did I miss yeah. something? Is progress stalling? Yeah. Are we... Man, based on your fucking side-by-sides, things are moving. So I don't think... At this rate. I'm, I'm going to say nebuary. <laughs> you, know you, know, you know what I was contemplating doing today during the training was I, I'm contemplating starting to have my athletes like send me measurements. See, I don't personally give a fuck about your measurements. If you have a stage-ready physique, I can see with my eyes you have a stage-ready physique. If you're making progress, I can see it. But more so for them. So, like, it's, I would say, like, 95% of my athletes, dude, honestly, they're just cool with the same program all the fucking time year out. And they're, but because they're going to make it work. They're going to work for them. Mm-hmm. And, like, I I will die on the hill of if you're bored with training, you're not training hard at yeah. all. Um, there, there's no way I could ever be convinced otherwise. Um, if, if you're bored with training, you really need to pick it up in the gym. You need to look internally what's going on. But yeah, there's like 5% of people that, you know what, they just honestly enjoy having a different training program every like four months or so. And you know what, 
as long as we can keep making progress, I'll change one or two movements here yeah, and there. Yeah, but those core movements are probably Oh, dude, not yeah, those change. core movements aren't changing, dude. Like, find a different yeah. hobby. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna, if you hire me, you're going to be doing some dumbbell rows. Yep. <laughs> you're going to be, you're, you're probably not going to be barbell squatting very much. Probably probably going to get some hammer strength you're, rows you're, in we're there. Probably, we're probably going to be on the leg press a lot and spend a lot of time on leg press. You're probably not going to do many leg extensions. Nope, nothing like, there. Like, it's just, you know, like, like these, there's just some, I have my methods and my methods work, so I like sticking to them, but adding new tools to your methods is always like a great approach to take, right? So... What are you feeling? Be an athlete in the gym. Are you able to bias what we are trying to do with this movement within your body? Are you able to bias this properly in order for you to grow as an athlete? All right. Where we set up and where we align dictates every single thing about the movement. The bias, the secondary muscle, the tertiary muscle, the supporting muscles. Wherever we align the load, that's a bias. So... If we are going to do a lat-focused row on a cable, we're probably not going to go in with a pronated grip, are we? Because a pronated grip means that your elbows are going to drive out and away from the body, which is not a mechanism of movement for the lat to operate under. We are likely going to try to have a supinated grip or a neutral grip that aligns with the lap from the beginning to the end of the movement, and that's where we're going to get the most from, right? Like, this is really simple shit. It's super, super, super simple shit. If we're doing a bicep curl, we're probably going to want the dumbbell to be by the side of our body or our elbow by the side of our body rather than, like, all the fucking way out in front and just, like, curling a dumbbell, (laughs) like, holding it up. Like, that would be fucking idiotic to do. So I don't know why I thought that was funny. Again, like, be an athlete. Like, be an athlete with, with what's going on in the gym. Focus on what you're feeling and adjust from there. So we don't need to choose lists based on isolations. This isolation work doesn't exist. Even a hamstring curl, even a chest fly, there's secondary tertiary supporting muscles working. We can bias, we can isolate, but the most impactful movements require an entire system to work to move the load. Now, this is an important point. A lot of us coaches started talking about being intent with your training, kind of changing the way training is looked at. I know myself, I know Phil Viz, I know Matt Jansen. We've all talked about this shit for t- the last two years. Like we've beaten the dead horse so many times and we're still beating it because so many people aren't understanding it. The most impactful movements require an entire system to work to move the load. If you are trying to grow your fastest and your best way possible, a shit ton of compound movements, as many compound movements as you can possibly recover from, is going to be your best bet. Ten times out of ten. If you're a skinny-ass dude and you're in the gym doing single arm, lap focus, cable rows, you are wasting your time. If you're a skinny dude, if you're a skinny girl in the gym and you're doing all these glute kickbacks, you are wasting your fucking time. What is your base? The foundation can only be put up, or I'm sorry, the the structure can only be put up from whatever the base is or the foundation of where you're working from. If you're weak as fuck, you're not going to have big glutes. Like if you're a chick and you're just a weak, scrawny, you're not going to have big glutes. Unless you're just genetically gifted. Even then, it's just they're not going to, they're not going to, everything else has to fill out too. The body works on too much of a homeostatic set point. 
everything. Why can my glutes handle 400 pounds of tension, but my pecs can only handle 10 pounds of tension? It's like the body literally won't let you get there. Like we have fascias, we have um, mTORs down regulation, we have uh, myostatin, we have all of these inhibitory items happening that can happen in our body to inhibit any further growth because we reach too far outside of our homeostatic threshold. If you are looking to put on mass, and if you need to put on mass, you need to hit compound movements as much as you can possibly recover from. Sure, there's a place for single joint movements. There's a place for kick glute kickbacks. At the end of a brutal fucking training session where you just absolutely torched your legs, we can throw in some glute kickbacks. There's a place for you know cable bicep or single arm um, lat focused rows. It's in the same place as the, as the glute kickbacks. But focus on your bread and butter. The most impactful movements is going to require the entire system, the system is your body, to work together to move the load. So, like, what's, like, what, what's like the most taxing? I would say, like, a deadlift. I would say a sumo deadlift. A man. sumo deadlift. A fucking brutal. regular deadlift, a barbell row. Safety not much bar more. squats. Safety bar squats. Not many things more taxing than that in terms of full body contraction, right? Mm-hmm. I think, I, I, I guess number one would kind of be just a conventional deadlift. Is going to be the, the top or the king of the fucking hill there. Yeah, right? that's like a full so body. It is, compound. yeah. It's full fucking body. Like after I do deadlifts, I'm like, all right, I'm out. So fun. when you're loading on a deadlift, understand a lot of muscles that are loaded there are being loaded in unconventional positions. Is coming from me as an LL because I'm not a huge fan of conventional deadlifts at all. Um, I just. Not not for bodybuilding. Um, I don't. I don't think I have them programmed in any of my athletes. Really? No. I think there, there's a time and a place. Um, I think for a majority of people, there's just more bang for a buck because the reality is, like I work with a lot of really strong people. Mm-hmm. So when you're really strong, you deadlift a lot of weight, and deadlifting a lot of weight for tiny reps or moderate for lots of reps is just going to tax our recovery so hard that I don't think it's worth um, what what's being put into it. Now, if we're deep in an off-season, food is so high, but your cardio is feeling good too. Everything's healthy, looking good, solid. Our waistline's tight. I might be cool with adding in some deadlifts there. Um, but, man, outside that, I just don't see a huge place for it. Um, and, you know, I also say that and Ian Valier was just deadlifting like four days out <laughs> from, <laughs> from the Arnold. And, like, I know Seabone's been doing it a ton. Um, but, you know, I, I, also, I also think for deadlifts, there's two extremes. When you're a complete beginner, you should master it. And when you're unbelievably advanced, you yeah, should like master it. Yeah, like a C-bomb deadlift is, I mean, flawless. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Um, same with Ian's. Like, they're, 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 they're literally That's funny perfect. that you brought that up because you were talking about, like, the supinated and the pronated grips. Yeah. And I was watching C-bomb's YouTube, and he was, like, supinated, pronated. He's like, I don't fucking remember all that shit anymore. Dude, That's your palms are up. so funny. <laughs> oh, my So, you, obviously, you remember yeah. every one. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know. Your palms are up, man. That's so funny. But see, like, in my line of work, I need it. And his line of... His line of work is training. <laughs> Literally. But, like, yeah. training, he should yeah. know. But I just That's thought it was funny so how he didn't care. He's funny. like, super prone. Fuck it, your palms are up. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is I can see Chris, like, just being there and being in front of the camera. And he's like, well, I was trying to be smart, but I just, like, it just didn't work out. <laughs> stumbled over his words and then Dude, just ended up saying fuck That's me. funny. Yeah, that's very <laughs> funny. So, what, what, what are the best stressors that require the most recoverability? Focus on overloading those. Um, but also alongside this, 
I don't want it to go on, um, like, undermentioned, if you will. It is perfectly okay to be doing a compound lift and feel it multiple places. That's actually good. That's what we want. So let's go through. I want to walk you through my thought process when I'm training. And then I want Megan to kind of walk you through hers. When I'm training, so number one is always how am I feeling? Um, getting a little up there in age, you know. No, but really, the closer, you know, it's funny. I was always told, closer you get to 30, the more aches and pains you're going to have. And holy fucking shit, I am in it. So number one, how am I feeling? Like, how's the aches and pains? Um, when I just grab the weight, how does the weight feel in my hands? Um, how's the joints feeling? What's going on? From there, I go into the goal of the movement. The goal of the movement is going to be dictated by how I'm feeling. So if the goal of the movement is, you know, beating the logbook, well, it's pretty straightforward if the goal of the movement is swapping out this week for what i could do last week because this week i'm just not feeling near as healthy or recovered as i was last week then obviously that changes right so number three i get into the movement where does the setup feel right this is why feeder sets are so important you never just get into a movement and start doing it mm-hmm. like your first set in a movement should be a feeder set. It should be a sub-maximal load. We get in there. We feel it out. We you know, get, we kind of clear off the rust, if you will. Uh, it's probably been about a week or so since you last did that movement. And, you know, we, we just execute it the exact same way we want to execute it when the load is heavier. So number three, where does the setup feel right? Number four, mentally lock in on the mechanics. Um, understanding anatomy is... Very beneficial for this, but whatever body part I'm training, what has to be aligned where? What's the function of that body part? Now, what do I have to achieve within my bodily movement in order for that function to be achieved? And then number five is honestly just execute till death. So that's my thought process when training. Once you lock in on that execute, as long as you're locked in on the mechanics. So I, I, I never just go through a set like, oh man, I'm still feeling this in my bicep. Oh, I'm still feeling this in my bicep. Oh. Still feeling this on my bicep. I lock in on the mechanics I'm supposed to do, and then I execute. I just completely tap out and execute. Because if the mechanics in the setup were nailed perfectly, then you're going to be operating with the bias in mind. Now, what do you do if the mechanics set up everything is perfect, and you're not feeling it where you want to? I'll just move on. If I if I go <laughs> same. Through, if I, if I like this fucking three, is shit. Yeah, if I go through three feeder sets, and that's okay. Like people need to realize that too. So this is a great point. I go through three feeder sets sometimes, and it's just, you know what? It's just not connecting. Mm-hmm. This movement right now is not connecting, so I'm just not going to waste any energy on it. Because the reality is, if you continue falling through with a movement that's not connecting the way you want it to connect, you're just wasting energy that you could be putting elsewhere. Absolutely. And that elsewhere will likely result in more stimulus, and the more stimulus will certainly result in more development and progression within your physique. It's like, I'm just not going to waste fucking time. Like, Mm -hmm. feeder sets are just not recovery intrusive. Like, I know there's people that say, like, all volume counts and stuff. But, dude, if I'm doing, like, 50% load and I'm, like, going through, like, that's just, that volume doesn't count to me. It's just not enough. I think people look for, like, an answer when it comes to that. Like, I just wasn't feeling, like, it just, shit just happens sometimes. Like, what do you train, you know, sometimes if I train glutes or legs the day prior and I go to do a dumbbell row, it's not. Brutal. I'm not. Nope. It's brutal, yeah. I do I do a couple feeder sets, and I'm not going to keep going. It I'm takes do a, a lot of set. Yeah. I'm going to go to, you know, a machine where I can have more of a controlled path. Yeah. And really just bias what, you know, that target muscle is. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a really good point. 
a note for you guys to have and hold on to. It's perfectly okay to like get into the exercise and realize it's just not clicking today mm-hmm. and move on and get out. That's that's perfectly okay to do. What what about you? What's your thought process when you're training? Um, like you're 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 getting set up today for barbell rows. You haven't done it in a while. Walk us through kind of what you were thinking there. Oh, when I did them today? Yeah. Um, so I I picked up the bar, and I, I got my mechanics all aligned. And, of course, like we talked about, I felt pretty foreign because mm-hmm. I haven't done a barbell row. For those of you that don't know, I've been trying to perfect my single-arm dumbbell rows because I was struggling with um, both dumbbell rows. Mm-hmm. So I switched to single-arm, whatever, long story short. Moved to barbell row today. I got my mechanics all in line. My elbows, knees, hips, everything was perfect. And I just started rowing, and I started feeling my lats firing. Everything started clicking. So I did a feeder set. Still, same thing. Everything was clicking. So I added more weight, worked that up all the way to a top set. Mm-hmm. And I just I just rowed till I died. Yeah, you just kind of go until you literally cannot do it at all uh-huh. anymore. Yeah, I even got some partials, too. And, yeah. and like you noted earlier, that stretch at the bottom. It's huge. Um, the loaded stretch, yeah. A lot of times people don't realize like you're leaving progress on the table right there. Mm-hmm. And I'll even tell my athletes, like, don't leave progress on the table. Yeah. You're moving this load with such ease and you're missing that little mm-hmm. key point at the bottom mm-hmm. that could be, you know, an extra 1% that but, matters. But, you know, it's like that's an extra 1% on every rep. So if we have, you know, two sets right. and the first set we hit eight and the second set we might hit like 12 or 13 in a back down set, dude, we just At left 20%. Yeah that if you know we there's 20 percent that we missed out on especially if you're someone like myself who really does need to build up your lats yeah. like you can't leave that no that progress out there yeah i always think about it as the progress i leave someone else gets yeah absolutely. <laughs> i'm like damn those couple reps someone else got them and they got better than me so i view it as a bank there's like a bank, <laughs> like a bank of progress yeah. that everyone is allowed to have uh-huh. and everyone around the world has access to it and everyone's going to like pull their portion out every single day. So I need to make sure from the bank that I get the maximal portion that I can possibly get. Your out. full portion potential. Because at the end of the at the end of the day, every every single day that bank is empty. Mm-hmm. There's never anything left in the bank. But who got the most? So yeah. if I leave something there, someone else is going to be gifted the progress from the bank, whether they earned it or not, because the bank has to be empty every day. I full-heartedly and firmly believe in this to a point where I know there's not actually a bank that exists, but, like, to me it does. Yeah. And so, like, it's it's one of my principles. It's like, don't, like, rob the bank for as much as you possibly can. Because you never know if it's your competition getting that extra bank. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what if I'm on stage and I lost by one point and, you know, there was a movement that I just could have literally done better. Or maybe I wasted energy on a movement that wasn't clicking when I could have put more movement, more energy into another movement that was clicking, right? Um, I think so. about that all the time with my one-point loss. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit tough. It's a little bit it's tough. It's still too soon. Too soon. <laughs> it's forever too soon. You'll be 80 years old and it's still too soon. <laughs> now, what if we all had a macro bank? See, there we Everyone go. Everyone in your house. There we go. <laughs> I get the all most. of their macros in one pool <laughs> and they just ate out of it what they it'd wanted unlimited. for the day. It'd be unlimited because my macros are unlimited. Yeah, but you don't eat possible. a lot for as big as yeah, you are. I so, believe it or not, I'd probably take all the macros. <laughs> yeah, you probably... <laughs> Probably would. Well, I hope this episode helps you guys out and helps retool um, how you're viewing training. Not all movements are meant to be isolated. A bias is vastly different from an isolation. Whatever we get the most bang for our buck out of, that's where we need to attack the most. Episode 187, I'll see you next time.